Welcome to the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, where it's all about slashing your debt, slashing your taxes, and creating a liberated lifestyle. And now, your host, who met his wife while training for the 400 meters in Seattle and is eating gluten-free while lusting after bread, Dave Denniston. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping doctors like you slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle. Well, I am delighted to have on the podcast with me a man who has been a surgeon. He's gone through a lot of really tough life challenges, and we're going to learn about his life story, talk about finances. He has a book out called Saved, One Trauma Surgeon's True Accounts of Miracles in His Life. Please help me welcome the one, the only, Dr. Craig Thayer. Welcome, Craig. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, sir. It's an honor to be here. Well, it's, it's an honor to have you, Craig. You've done some interesting things in your life, and I just want to roll back time a little bit. Tell us a little bit about where did you grow up and, and what was it like for you in, in your life journey? Yeah, so you mentioned uh, that I just published a book, and, and the book is basically about miracles in my life, about my life and how God worked through me. So, you know, I'd go on medical mission trips and I would hear other people give their testimonies and they would comment on where they began. And I realized I was, I'd start, well, I was adopted. I was in an orphanage for nine months before I was adopted, but my natural mother moved from Michigan to California, Monterey, had me at a hospital, carried me around for 10 days, had me baptized, tried to find out what name she'd baptized me in, but I couldn't get any records. And then I realized, you know what, really, my testimony begins before I was even born. I was knitted in the womb by God with a purpose, right? So I grew up being raised Catholic. It was a requirement of the adoption. And my mom was, she was from Ireland, moved over to America when she was 21, married my dad. They couldn't have kids, so adopted me. I grew up on Providence Court, coincidence or what, but public schools, elementary, high school, the, the, the changing moment of my life was I knew I wanted to help people. I knew I wanted to work with my hands. So surgeon. And I took an anatomy physiology class my junior year. That convinced me the human body is just amazing. It's crazy at how intricate it is. Did you have any doctors in your, your life at all? No, whether yeah, none. In either of your folks or aunts, uncles, you know, distant relatives? No, my two grandparents were attorneys. And my mom never went to, to college. She may have not even graduated high school because World War II broke out and they would take, she was in Ireland and they moved people back and forth. So you're kind of downrange when you're in England during the bombings and stuff. And then back over to Ireland, both the, all the UK citizens were moved back and forth during those, those years. So yeah, really no, no medical people in the family. Mm. So as, as you're growing up with your folks at home, one of the questions I always love to ask is, a, is about money. So what kind of lessons around money were you learning from your folks growing up? Yeah, my mom was more of a teacher that way. They, it was save, Sa save money. Make sure you save at least 10% of your money or more if you can. 
and then kind of what I've learned since then is the more you can try and save those in, you know, non-taxed IRAs, SEP IRAs, 401ks, retirement stuff, the more you're going to compound interest. So that was, that was big. Uh, the saving was key. Absolutely. Were your folks kind of more middle class, upper middle class, you know, or? I'd say upper middle class. My dad was an engineer for Ampex and then Ampex in the 70s, late 60s, hit a downturn. He was laid off. Then he worked for an RV sales place. And I worked a big convention at Cal Expo with him one time. I sat in one of the RVs and you know, gave the whole spiel about this RV and handed out my dad's cards. And I think I was probably eight or maybe nine. Yeah, so it was fun. But yeah, and then he went to Hewlett Packard until his death, which was um, when I was 20. Mm, so your, your dad died pretty pretty young, relatively, in your in your life at least. Yeah, he was 50, 53. Wow. My mom died two years before that when I was in college, freshman year, phone call early in the morning. And uh, yeah, I'll never forget that. But yeah, so I had both my mom and dad gone before I was 21. Wow. And so you were in college at that time then, going through all that? Yeah. Yeah, UC Davis. That's a uh, farm school. <laughs> so I think of UC yep, Davis. Yep, it sure <laughs> is. Yeah, yeah. In the book, it has a prank. I had a, a lighter chapter in there about pranks, some of which I could have been arrested for. But uh, yeah, we we pulled an experiment on the all-female dorm above us, and we had borrowed some some uh, materials from cows. <laughs> Love it. So you're you're in college. You're like, you know what? I want to be a surgeon, and uh, you go to you go to medical school with your folks no longer around. I mean, were you struggling financially at this point? Because I have to imagine you don't have anyone really supporting you, or did you inherit some money, or what? What was it like? So my grandfather was terminally ill at the same time. He dies a week before my dad does. So prior to that, we had a family meeting, which is also in the book, and he gave me Pan American bear bonds, which. Back when I was going through school, the prime rate was 18%. So the student loans, which are, or grants were, I mean, they're, they're, they're supposed to be almost free, but they were 12%. So having that, once they were gone, I was immediately independent so I could get student loans. So I got loans for med school through college. My my dad and my grandfather paid paid through for, the, for those. So, so I got through college with no debt, but not with uh, med school. And uh, the inter the interesting point was I was interviewing at Georgetown, and that's like the most expensive medical school in the United States. And I'm, you're you're sitting on this wooden bench outside the financial aid office, and uh, the the guy in front of me, you know, I could just hear him say, because I heard the question, "How are you going to pay for this?" And he's like, "Cash, cold hard cash." And I'm like. I just like, I, I, when I went in, I'm like, well, maybe I can uh, listen to the military and they'll pay or I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Yeah, it was tough. So you're going through medical school. When did you figure out you wanted to be a surgeon? So in high school, I thought was the hard ones, cardiac or uh, cardiovascular or neuro. Med school, I narrowed that down to general surgery. When I saw neurosurgery, it was devastating surgery sometimes and just not nine hours under a microscope what I wanted to do the challenge mentally wasn't there and then I did a, a five-week acting internship with the cardiac guys in Sacramento 
that I arranged to do. And I realized that it's a very technical, so your, your meticulous suturing was key. But afterwards, the care was if there's non-surgical complications by the cardiologist. So you do bypasses and valves, and unless you go into pediatric cardiothoracic surgery, then there's more to do. But so, and then two things happened when I was a medical student. One was those internships. The other was I was at the VA in Martinez, California, and this patient had a lung cancer and they started to bleed. So they were choking on their own blood. And the internist anesthesia was tied up doing surgery with the surgical resident. So no one could get a tube into his trachea or do a tracheostomy or, you know, save this guy. And I said, I don't want to be ever in this situation again. So back when I trained, you got trained from head to toe. If you needed a head or a, a hole drilled in your head for a bleed, you, I, I could do it. I've been trained to do it. Or if you've been shot in the heart, I can get to that hole, put a finger in it, and then get it sewn closed. Or like this, I could do a, a tracheostomy and, and save, maybe not save the guy because he's bleeding to death, but at least not make him feel like he's drowning. So yeah, and general surgery does that. Wow. So you get out of residency, probably five-year residency, I'm guessing. No, six. Six. Six, six, yeah, six years. And did you join a hospital? Did you join a private practice? Walk us through what happened next. Yeah, I was the last resident out of UC Davis to hang a shingle, get a business loan, and open my own private practice. Hmm. The last one, huh? Yeah, so it, it was interesting to see the business. You get no business classes in med school. So what you do, Dave, is huge to, to reach out to other physicians in their residency to teach them, you know, financial freedom and doing the right things early because our tendency is to spend as soon as we get out. We've gone through a long period of delayed gratification and now we're, we're getting paid much more than we thought we would or, or maybe did what we thought we would, but it's a lot of money and we're going to spend it instead of save it. So and look to the future. And what you're doing with working with those people is great. Thank you, thank you, thank you. To give us some lessons, Craig. You know, in hanging your hanging your your shingle out, opening your practice. What what are something we can some things we can learn from you? You know, about going through that. Yeah. Uh, first of all, you end up buying eight insurances mm. that you didn't have. You you know, health, dental, malpractice, rental. If you've got your own office, workman's comp. So there's all these insurances you've got to come up with. And then you're, you're like a business. You've got a business license and and those things. Um, I think in some ways it's lucky because as an individual physician, you don't have any clout with insurance companies. So if like Blue Shield, Blue Cross gets a major portion of your patients that you see and they start lowering your rates for doing procedures you either can you can you afford to get rid of them or not you know so you they have a lot of power and my wife worked for blue shield for a while and they had just two departments for doctors one was fraud and the other one was for questions versus like 40 something for hospitals so linking with hospitals or bigger groups definitely gives you more power Definitely. Good stuff. What else in terms of just financially? Financially, I'd say my, my worst 
financial decision was getting divorced. I was, I was divorced. My wife divorced me. Immediately divides you in under half of what you've been receiving because you're going to have to pay half to your ex-wife and you pay yourself the other half, right? So, and I'm of the thought that happy mom's happy kids. So I made sure she was never struggling or um, nervous about making sure things were going to be met. But I tell you, it was um, not only depressing because you're away from the kids and because I'm a surgeon and didn't have a significant other, I couldn't get visitation with the kids other than like on weekends when I wasn't on call. So until I had a significant other and then then I had the ability to have them when I'm on call because someone else could watch them if I had to go in. So yeah, I mean, so many ways, financially, emotionally, it's just uh, a really hard time to go through. Oh, totally. Well, it's your your spouse is your most important investment, you know, I really believe. And it's hard doing being a physician and trying to balance everything that you're saying. I mean, the the spouse may not know what they're signing up for <laughs> in a lot of cases. You may not know what they're signing up for till you're yeah. in it, you know. <laughs> It's true. It's, it's something that really sets your course in in life and can boost you financially or like yourself. It's kind of it can feel like starting over. Actually, I have a client right now that uh, they two neurologists got divorced and have a kiddo between them, you know, and fighting it out with lawyers and mediators and it's ringing up the debt bill, you know, because they couldn't agree on X, Y, and Z. It's just keep keeping stuff out of the courts and out of those things. I mean, we're literally talking between the two of them, probably a hundred thousand dollars of legal bills, let alone the alimony and child support and all the other kind of stuff that comes along with it. So, well, ours was an eight year to nine year process. So, and the emotional thing about that is you can't get out of an adversarial relationship until that's done. Because as long as you're in the court, it's a business fight, right? So, and when you're, you know, half a million or something more than that off from each other, there's, I mean, you have to fight it almost because then you just turn it all over. So, and that's not, doesn't feel like it's fair. As you're going through that, Craig, did you ever think about stopping doing medicine? Or, or just because you start having life, I know many of us. Yeah, actually in one of the social workers visit, yeah, it was like almost rather be doing something else. I think I said collecting trash or something so I'd have time with my kids then, but because the court makes you maintain your income to support the, you know, the, the structure of what you've had, you can't really do that, but yeah, so. Yeah, there were points where just to, to be, have more time with my kids, just stop what I'm doing. Yeah, do something else. What a what a struggle going through those kinds of things. Well, I'd, I'd love to know more about just things as as you've been practicing, because here, here you are. Are you still practicing today or are you? Yeah, I've had a sabbatical, so to speak. And in the beginning of the book, I say it's a glitch. So from moving... My wife wanted to get out of California for a long time. I was very secure in the team around me, which is what you need. They trust me, I trust them. I was at this hospital for 29 years. I was a trauma medical director for 20 of those years, began and developed 
help develop because it's a team. A level three trauma center, we coordinated it with the level one, which was UC Davis's in Sacramento, and then Sutter, which is in um, that same area. There was three other hospitals, Mercy San Juan. We would meet quarterly and go over stuff as a team. And then my head being hit by a brick to finally want to move and some hospitals starting to do some negotiating things that were kind of shady. And I posted this blog, not a blog, but it was a Facebook post about, I was just depressed that America is so divided. And part of the purpose of this book is for me to get out there and speak and motivate and inspire, give people hope. And Christian way, just, you know, teach them that, you know, as a Christian, we we're not here to judge and we all bleed the same. So look at my life. You raised me on a pedestal because I have an MD. And yet I, I bleed the same as you. I mean, look what I've gone through to get where I got to. And I'm as human as anybody else. So I posted about playing for the United States water polo team. Played Brazil and Czechoslovakia and Germany and Russia. And how patriotism just, we were bonded as a team. It didn't matter color, creed, whatever. We're all the same. And we're there to, to, to fight in the water, so to speak. So a friend of mine who I hadn't spoken to literally in 40 years called me and we spoke for two and a half hours at the end. He's like, well, what do you do? And I go, well, I'm an old school general surgeon. I do these things. He goes, I think I may need you. I'm a CEO for a hospital here. And we were going to go out and look at Tennessee. Uh, and he's in Georgia, the northwest part. So like five miles from the border of Tennessee. I go, well, we'll give you four days at the beginning or the end of our trip. And he, we gave him at the end and he called me and said, okay, my admin needs your email because she's going to send you an itinerary. And the itinerary was like first hour with him, the president of the multi-specialty group and the chief nursing officer. Next hour was the chief medical officer. Next hour was an operating room tour. Next was a lunch with the guys that I work with. And then it was with the clinic and then a realtor's tour. And I'm like, that's a recruiting interview. And I'm like, all I brought was like a Lululemon collared shirt and a Lululemon pair of pants that may look like slacks. <laughs> so I, I'm going to look like Johnny Cash with my gray hair or pro golfer, one of the two. And he goes, you'll be fine. So, I, and then two weeks later I had an offer. So yeah. So it was just, that was the brick to my head that I said, yeah, we need to go. This hospital does the same things. It's in my, all, all my skills will be used. And uh, just kind of a God moment that, you know, I mean, we looked at other places and I'd just be doing hernia repairs all day long or those kind of things. And I'm like, no, this will this will use all my, my skill set. And now for a commercial break. Every year, about this time of the year, I have physicians asking me, Dave, I hate the taxes I'm paying. How can I lower my taxes? How can I understand what the heck is going on here? Well, that's why we have put together a tax cheat sheet that really has almost everything that you'd ever wanna know about taxes. Two page document, super simple. I put together a few videos to walk you through it. All you have to do to receive this awesome document is tax the word cheat sheet, all one word, C-H-E-A-T-S-H-E-E-T to 833-343-2986. If you want to get your copy 
of the 2023 tax cheat sheet, make sure to text the word, all one word, cheat sheet, C-H-E-A-T-S-H-E-E-T to 833-343-2986. Nothing better you can do for yourself than to get educated on taxes. And so my friends, make sure to download that cheat sheet again. You can text all one word cheat sheet to 833-343-2986. And now back to the show. So along the way here, because you started with your own practice, it sounds like, was your practice sold at some point then to the hospital system? No, you know, that used to be done. You'd sell, you'd come up with a value of, you know, the equipment you have and those things. But really, the evolution of, of surgery, slower than, I think, primary care, was to move into groups because of the thing I said earlier, which is more power in numbers. So if you could link up with a hospital, so now you're, you have the, the power under or with the hospital to negotiate contracts, both for the hospital services and physician services, that gave them more power, that gave us more power. So if you look statistically from data from the American College of Surgeons, I think when I started, maybe 20% were, were in groups. And, and now today, it's probably 99.9% of people are in, in groups with hospitals. Yeah. So you're, you're somewhat protected. And uh, some places you, you're guaranteed an income, no matter what your productivity is, or at least a floor. And uh, that gives you comfort to know, that, like when COVID hit, that interestingly for trauma, they protected us because you can't predict when that's going to happen. So they kept us away from COVID patients somewhat. We still were much needed for tracheostomies or central line placement of special IV to give, you know, heroic medications through. But the frontline part in the ER or taking care of critically ill patients in the ICU, we were spared from just so that we'd be available for trauma or acute care stuff. But that completely slowed down our elective stuff. So you were part of a partnership then, right? Yeah. We had five people. Um, four of us joined. One didn't. And then uh, once that person left there was a point where we lost two people at the same time and we just put in a brand new electronic medical record so there's this learning curve that was november of 2018 remember to this day <laughs> and so i mean one in three call life's over you cancel vacations you make a lot of money i was able to diversify my assets by buying a rental house in sacramento so but you just don't have a life. Tell, tell us about that. I mean, obviously physicians make a lot of money. Sometimes a lot of it gets spent. And you just mentioned something really interesting, which some people do, some people don't, uh, which is investing into real estate. Were you someone that you would try and build, you wanted to build like a real estate empire? Like for example, I know a lot, a few orthopedic surgeons and ophthalmologists, they invest in surgery centers, for example. Maybe their practice owns one and that can be an awesome cash flow. Some people are into apartments or multifamily or single family homes. 
uh, and that's a huge focus for them to create streams of income. Other doctors, meanwhile, they, they say, I don't want to deal with all that headache, and I would rather just sock away in my 401k and build a huge cash pile. So how did you think about that, go about that, as, especially as you're recovering from a divorce, I'm sure, over the years, and, and trying to gain back? Yeah, I think my threshold for being afraid of that was reduced because of when my mom had passed away, my dad had invested with eight other people in a fourth mortgage on an eight-unit apartment complex. So then when my dad died, I inherited, along with my sister, the one-eighth or whatever percent we were of the fourth mortgage and we had a really great financial guy that said, hey, let's just make a bid on this for what we're owed. And uh, I think maybe the first. And that's what we did. And then we kept it for a year. And then with you don't want to improve it because whoever that got foreclosed on could come back and say, oh, I, I want to purchase it back. And if you've invested this money in it, then you don't get it back. And so from that experience, we then sold it and made money. That kept me in school my senior year. It, it lowered my threshold for, of fear for investing in real estate property. So, and then the other thing was my house that I grew up in from when I was two on, I rented. So I was used to, and I knew that rentals were, and I was in school, so I'm like, I can't, I can't take care of the house. And actually the house one of the miracles in the book is I'm interviewing in San Francisco for a Harvard Medical School regional interview. And something just tells me, because I grew up in Cupertino, San Jose area, to go back to the house, check on it. Just, just check on it. And I did. And one of the pipes had broken downstairs. And it was flooding. And we had wooden floors and they're starting to warp. And I have to pull carpets out of the house so that the floor wouldn't warp. And then the guys, the insurance covered it, but the they not done a very good job and they were going to carpet over it before I ever saw it. And so then I got, I, I was smart enough to get, you know, a manager for the house who would deal with those things and be close by. And, and, uh, so you, you can, you can pay for things and really your, your, your time spent taking care of those is not as much. So that was one thing I learned growing up through that. And, and now I have, I have the house in Sacramento and I have a, another townhouse in Florida and it's, we, we Airbnb it most of the year. So it makes more money. And then we, we go visit, you know, probably four or five weeks a year. Yeah. Are, are you someone that you really wanted to do that as well as sock away in the 401k kind of doing both at the same time and putting money like not qualified? I think it's important to like you had another guest on uh, Leafs, first name. And, you know, he made the comment of, you know, no more than 10% of your assets into one particular thing. That's kind of hard to do when you do certain things. Like your 401k is kind of be more than 10%, or hopefully it is. But, yeah, I, I think diversifying is key. I mean, look what we're going through now, right? Inflation rates, you don't want to pull investments in the stock market out to cash because cash is really an investment too because it's got a inflation rate that's spending that money without you doing anything so so you always want to be in something that's higher than the inflation rate to maintain that value but 
Yeah, and there are other things. I mean, you you talked about on on that podcast as well as um, the crowd share real estate market, and we had actually we've we've done that. There was a group in Sacramento that would go all over the country actually, and and we could pull out if we wanted to. Luckily, they were really short term, like six months, maybe even almost close to three, and it worked. It worked really well for return but then this whole covid thing hit and all construction and renovation and slowed way down it was just hard to find people to work and so we we stopped we've stopped doing that they also had a part in their uh, company where you could just be like the bank so you you put money in they give you a eight or ten percent interest and and there's no no risk other than going bankrupt or something but yeah it wasn't tied to any particular property. It was just that they were using you to finance what they had to. Well, with, with doing these different kinds of investments, Craig, and doing Airbnb, sounds like you know, you've know you done some single-family rental a little bit, as well as just investing in the market. You mentioned one thing, don't sell when something's low. You know, Any, any other pieces of advice you would give to physicians that are listening this, to this? Yeah, I think, and I've heard you say this too, buy low. I mean, there's like Ford Company. I mean, some there are several major companies in America that that's what they did. They the opportunity was when the market was super low or whatever they were doing, buy, and then it goes up. And then you know, if you're fresh out of residency and you're just starting, you're long term. You know, don't sweat these peaks and troughs and look at the overall gain and it's gonna it's gonna bounce back. So, yeah, I don't don't worry, don't day trade, don't unless it's just really enjoyable to you for some reason. But yeah, I think that one of the stats I read was if you just took four days that you pulled out your funds from the market, it was like you, you lost an incredible amount of money percentage wise by doing that. So, and you don't always know, or I, I think you, Dave, probably know better. Like you know, times of year or situations, elections, etc., that markets go up or down statistically. So I just, I'm in for the long term. I don't have the time to want to worry about things. And I, I actually, I think you priorly worked for Edward Jones. And so I've got someone who's an Edward Jones person that was with our our group. So I get their their info and expertise. But I would say that's another point. Expertise is key. So like you, Dave, you have that expertise to help people. And then what I've seen, when you get to interview doctors, we, we can, you know, read who, who you are and what you do and how, why you do it. And, you know, Evangeline, which I think is, I get the pleasure of looking at or looking at each other on a screen. So I think she's in the background. So miracle baby, this, the expertise is key. And now you have your own company mainly because you didn't like the hidden fees that we don't always see. I think California passed a law at some point that when first buying insurances and those and other stock things, that that fee gets disclosed to the client. So, but yeah, I mean, you're out, you're in this for helping people and that's what I love. Yes, sir. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And whether it's me or, or anybody else, you know, you, you want to find someone that maybe they're not always perfect. 
uh, if you're having someone manage your money, but that they are proactive, they are in touch, they are giving advice, and it's solid advice that benefits you much more so than the advisor. That's, that's what it's all about. So Craig, we, we got to wrap up for the day today and would love to hear maybe just, just a, a little bit more about your book, Saved. Uh, what, what else can you tell us about the book? Anything else you want to share with us about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, if, if you're in a state right now of mind that, I mean, you just see kind of what's going on in the world and you're in fear of World War III, anything. You just feel lost. I mean, us sheltering in is clearly, it raised the suicide rate in women between 25 and 46 fold. So there's a risk benefit, like a drug of when do we really want to shelter in again, right? So this book, like I said, is about God through me. And uh, I encourage people to just get on Amazon and put my name in, Craig Thayer, and, and then saved. It should pop up as a book that you can order. I'm, I'm dyslexic and I have challenged myself. I I'm one session away from finishing the audible. All right. <laughs> Maybe I've heard part and it sounds not too bad, but reading is not my forte. So, but yeah, just, uh, my hope again is to bring hope to everybody to get there in person. I think people need to meet each other and see each other. That's why Zoom's 2D, I love 3D, but 2D is the next best. So, absolutely, absolutely, and I assume people can get it on Amazon and wherever books are sold. Yeah. Yes, true. And then if you want to follow me, my website's just craigthayer.net. So, I have a web page. It'll link you to the book. It link you. It links you to a radio program that my wife and I do. That's Christian based. Yeah, it, it just tells you what I'm doing. And then if you, you follow me on Facebook or. It's just Craig Tank there. It's a nickname I got from playing water polo. Yeah, you'll you'll see me. Occasionally, I'll do a reel or something. Like uh, most recently, I, I talk about weight loss because I also health coach with my wife. These, these three, actually it's two drugs that were uh, used in diabetic patients that are now being used for weight loss that do some strange things. So... Any final thoughts you want to leave with us? Maybe something to inspire a lot of our doctors that listen to this podcast are probably 25 to, to 40. You know, they're younger practicing attendings, and we have, I'd say, the 40 and above crowd. Uh, any Anything you want to leave with us? Yeah, I think, man, if uh, if, if you, you're fresh out, I mean, I love those days. Uh, just uh, going back to a teaching hospital and seeing youthful people finishing. Remember what you're doing it for, you know, if it's for the people. You're helping people. You're here to serve, not be served, so to speak. And uh, financially, any way you can reduce your debt so you're not a slave to it and save so that you can invest in things that should you want to decrease the hours or getting burned out. I mean, burnout's huge now with the requirements that, that we're all expected to do just with documenting stuff in the medical record. So hang in there. Keep working uh, as you can because you're needed. Yeah, just understand you're in an honor profession and thank you for doing it. Love it. Love it. Well, Craig, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you, Dave. I really appreciate you. All right, my friends. Well, that wraps up another episode for today. Make sure to check out Craig's website, Craig 
craigthayer.net. You spell the last name T-H-A-Y-E-R, craigthayer.net. Why, thank you, my friends, so much for listening to the last podcast. I am pleased to announce that I am now a completely independent financial advisor, where to the point now, I can really integrate my financial planning practice with this podcast. If you might be looking for help, if you have found any of our information here interesting or relevant, and you're looking for a second opinion, I'm making myself available for 30-minute strategy sessions. And if you want to arrange a time to meet with me to discuss your situation and see if we might be a good fit for one another, I'd like you to call our office and speak with Kyla. Our phone number is 612-284-2409. Again, that's 612-284-2409. And I look forward to helping you with your financial situation. Now for some lovely legal disclosures required by our lawyer friends. Investment advice is only offered in jurisdictions where Centurion Financial Strategies, LLC, Centurion is appropriately registered or exempt from registration. Our Form ADV Part 2 brochure can be obtained free of charge at advisorinfo.sec.gov by searching for our firm name or its unique CRD number, which is 316-454. This podcast is not a solicitation to provide advisory services in any jurisdiction in which we are not appropriately registered or excluded from registration. The information, statements, and opinions contained in this podcast have been obtained from or are based on information obtained from sources which we believe to be reliable, but we do not warrant or guarantee the timeliness or accuracy of such information. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as personalized investment, tax, or legal advice. Opinions expressed by any guest are their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the firm's views. You should carefully consider your own financial circumstances and needs prior to making any investment in securities or purchasing any insurance products. As always, past performance is not indicative of future results. Investing in securities or really anything else involves the risk of loss. If by some chance in this particular podcast I mentioned insurance products, insurance products are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of an issuing insurance company. They may be subject to restrictions, limitations, and early withdrawal fees, which vary by issue. You should always consider the charges, risks, expenses, and investment objective of any insurance products before entering a contract. And that, my friends, wraps it up. Wish you all the best. Feel free to contact us with any info at www.daviddeniston.com. Thank you so much and have a good one. Bye-bye.